This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. And welcome to the Hockey Hothead, presented as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, and rosters are coming out everywhere. So we're going to talk a little bit about the NHL All-Star selections that came out late on Thursday evening. Each division, of course, sending a representative at least one from every team. And then, of course, there is also the last man in voting that is going on right now over at NHL.com. So we'll get into the All-Star game. My thoughts on the jerseys that leaked, my thoughts on the rosters, the snubs, which we always get to during around during this time of the year. But we're going to talk a little bit about the All-Star game. But before we do all that, we're going to talk a little bit about two storylines that have kind of dominated the NHL this week. Other than COVID, you know, there's always going to be that caveat at this point in the season with everything they're going through. But two main storylines that I want to touch upon here in the first segment before we head into the all-star rosters in segments number two and number three. Uh, quick programming note, there will not be a three stars of the week. I just was not able to put it together this week. So uh, next week, we'll have two weeks worth of three stars. At least the stats will be taken from a two-week sample size. But let's start this episode by talking about the Boston Bruins. Uh, they're a team that really has faded into the background, surprisingly. I mean, how can an original six fade to the background as much as them and still be good and still be in a spot to surprise a lot of people this season? I mean, the Boston Bruins currently sit in the second wild card spot in the Eastern Conference. And if you look at those Eastern Conference standings as of right now, we're halfway through the month of January. This is when you really start to get the rubber to the road, see who's a contender, who's a playoff bubble team, and who really doesn't have a shot making the NHL postseason, there's a really clear difference between playoff teams in the East and non-playoff teams as of right now. Like I said, the Boston Bruins are sitting in the second wildcard spot, so they hold the last spot in the playoffs as of right now in the East. They have, I believe, a seven-point advantage on the Detroit Red Wings, who are the team right below them. So there is a little bit of a gap between the end of the postseason teams and the beginning of the first teams out. And that is in in large part due to the way that the Boston Bruins have been playing as of late. I mean, their stars have been showing up as they have all season. I mean, they've faced injuries here and there, some COVID players here and there. And the biggest injury, of course, for the Boston Bruins was Tuka Rask, their goaltender. He wasn't even signed with the team until earlier in the week this week. He is obviously coming off of a hip surgery that he had back in July. The the thought was always that he's going to rehab this. He's not going to re-sign because he was a free agent until he's rehabbed it fully. Well, this week he signs a one-year, $1 million contract. An absolute bargain. I mean, I understand that his services are only going to be used for half of a season. But to get one-year, $1 million, that is a huge benefit for the Boston Bruins, especially looking at where every team is right now in a cap crunch and also the fact that they're going to be looking to add at the deadline. This is by far uh, not a team that has no issues. I mean, their bottom six is the biggest issue to me. I mean, they need to get extra scoring from the bottom six because even though 
Bergeron, Marshawn, Pasternak. That line is the best line in all of hockey when it's clicking on all cylinders. You need some extra help in the bottom six. You need more scoring from your bottom six if you want to win in the postseason, especially against some of these teams at the top of the, the conference here. You look at the Tampa Bay Lightning. You look at the Florida Panthers. These teams are stacked four lines deep with scoring threats. Boston, they've been playing really good. They're sitting in a great position, but they need to bolster that bottom six. So it's a huge benefit to them that Tuka Rask is only $1 million against the salary cap. Also, it probably helps them carry the three goaltenders that they had, including the two that have gotten up to this point, Linus Allmark and Jeremy Swayman. But, you know, Tuka Rask is officially back. He had a quick PTO with the AHL Providence Bruins. And then first game back was Thursday night. We saw Tuka Rask in action at TD Garden. A 3-2 win for the Boston Bruins over the Philadelphia Flyers. Now, the Philadelphia Flyers are not a good team. So take that for what you will. But the Flyers, a lot of people had the Flyers in this game. One, because Tuka Rask was making his first appearance since the playoffs last season. And secondly, because the Flyers are finally starting to get healthy. They had a lot of players on the COVID list. They're finally starting to get a lot of them back. Their lineup actually looks like an NHL lineup and not like it's Lehigh Valley. So a lot of people thought this is a spot for the Flyers. Also, Kevin Hayes in his first game in Boston, in his hometown, since the passing of his brother. A lot of people had the emotional pick of Philly. A lot of people had the uh, intuitive pick of Philly with Tuka Rask's first game. But... The uh, Boston Bruins were able to go out there, get business done, a 3-2 win. Tukaras looked pretty good, 25 saves on 27 shots. I mean, not many, many grade-A chances, but he was sturdy in net. And if you're the Boston Bruins, that's all you can ask for. I mean, you're ecstatic with the fact that he went out there and performed to that level, got them the two points against a team that is below them in the standings, helping separate them from those teams that are outside of the wild card spot right now. So the impact on the Boston Bruins that Tuka Rask has cannot be understated. I mean, this guy is a possible Hall of Fame goaltender that, yeah, he hasn't won a Stanley Cup, but that might be one of his biggest detractors. He might just be the difference between the Hall of Really Good and the Hall of Fame, especially goaltenders. It's tough to get in. So do I think he does? No, probably not. But he is a Bruins Hall of Famer when it comes to being between the pipes. I mean, the guy... Always gets Vezina votes. He took them on a long run in, I believe it was, obviously he took them on a long run in 2019, the whole way to the finals before they failed to defeat the, uh, why am I blanking on that? The St. Louis Blues. He also helped take them to the finals in 2013 where they fell to the Chicago Blackhawks. So this is a guy that has shown postseason success. This is a guy that has been one of the top goaltenders during his career. So there's obviously a huge impact. Not to say that Jeremy Swayman and Linus Allmark weren't okay. I mean, they were really good at points. So they, there was a reason that this team is still in this position, and it's not because of Tuka Rask. It's because of those guys. They've played really good, but at the same time, you just that's the difference between having a really good goaltender and having one of the best goaltenders in the National Hockey League. Now, the jury is still out on if this is still that Tuka Rask because he is coming off of a hip surgery, and you never know how he's going to respond to that. But as of right now, early returns, really good for Tuka Rask and the Bees. And when I look at the standings, I already mentioned the fact that they're sitting in that second wild card spot. They've kind of caught up to the Pittsburgh Penguins who are in the first wild card spot, so they can move up in that retrospect. But they have games in hand on literally everybody 
ahead of them in the East standings, except for the Carolina Hurricanes, which it doesn't really matter because the Hurricanes are going to finish in the top three in the Metro. That doesn't really make a difference for Bruins when it comes to seeding, but they're in the perfect position right now. They're 11 points out of first place, so that's still a lot of ground to make up. But if they win all their games in hand, and that is a huge if, I understand, they would only be one behind because they have five games in hand on the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are currently leading the Atlantic Division. When I look at the Bruins team, I think it's a team that was a victim of really high expectations last season. I mean, you look the year before they lost in the playoffs to the Tampa Bay Lightning, and then you look at last season when they go into that really tough East division that was kind of reset due to the COVID pandemic, and you looked at that division and you're saying, okay, Boston, probably better than the Penguins last year, probably better than the Islanders, it's close, and realistically, they were expected to do a lot better than finish where they did. I believe they finished in second place in that division, but they really weren't convincing. You know, you looked at the Bruins and you said, yeah, all these teams are kind of close. The Penguins ended up taking that division, but they weren't really convincing last season. They added Taylor Hall and people thought maybe this is going to be what they need to just kind of level out the scoring throughout the lineup, but it really didn't work in the postseason. Now, of course, they ran into uh, the New York Islanders in the second round of the playoffs and the Islanders the last two years in the playoffs have been a tough out. The only team to eliminate them has been the Tampa Bay Lightning. But realistically, you think that right now with the expectations lowered in Boston, that this is kind of a prime slot for them to go out there and play spoiler to a lot of these top teams in the Atlantic division. Cause the story has been in the East or at least in the Atlantic this season, it's been the Toronto Maple Leafs being absolutely phenomenal at points. It's been the fact that the Florida Panthers were the hottest team right out of the gate, as well as the Carolina Hurricanes. It's been the fact that even though they got a slow start, the Tampa Bay Lightning have won back-to-back Stanley Cups, and they're once again on that level, even though they missed Nikita Kucherov for an extended period of time. He came back this week, scored a hat trick. They missed Braden Point for an extended period of time. They're such a good team that all those teams kind of make you forget about the Boston Bruins because all those teams seem to be more complete than the Boston Bruins. And that just kind of circles back to the fact that they do need to add at the trade deadline. And it helps whenever your starting goaltender takes a discount and is only hitting at $1 million on the salary cap. So uh, shout out to Tuka Rask. Congratulations on the return. It was a really good first game for him, for the Boston Bruins. It was a nice night in Boston at the TD Garden. And I wouldn't be surprised if they win a lot of those games in hand and they start to become a real top contender in the Eastern Conference, improving their standings, and for sure, they're a playoff team. I'm just interested to see what they do when it comes to bolstering their lineup. The trade deadline is only 10 weeks away. And we'll we'll talk about the trade deadline next week and a little bit of a primer of who's selling, who's buying, some names that are on the block, where they could potentially fit. We'll discuss all that next week on the Hockey Hotbed, but as of right now, The Boston Bruins, little sneak peek here, they're definitely going to be buying at the deadline. They're going to be looking for bottom six forwards and bottom six scoring help. Uh, Before we cut to break, I do want to talk quickly about the Evander Kane situation as it is evolving this week. Uh, We didn't truly expect it to be moving as fast as it has. Of course, earlier in the week, his contract was terminated by the San Jose Sharks, placed on waivers or unconditional waivers for the purpose of termination. So he's no longer a member of the San Jose Sharks due to a second COVID violation this season. Obviously, he was suspended for 21 games earlier in the year for falsifying a COVID-19 vaccination card. And now it seems as if that he tested positive for COVID on December 21st. 
Apparently, he flew home to Vancouver for the holidays on December 27th, which is a violation of the NHL's COVID policy. Realistically, it looked like the San Jose Sharks were looking for an out to terminate his contract. They don't want him there anymore. Hence the reason that they put him on waivers in the first place and he was sent down to the minors because his contract was just absolutely ridiculous. And for the issue that he is off the ice, nobody was taking that contract off of waivers. So now he's bought out, no longer a member of the San Jose Sharks. As of right now, as of this moment, he's an unrestricted free agent. And there's been a lot of interest. I mean, Evander Kane is a good hockey player. When we ignore what he is off the ice, he is a very good and talented hockey player. Is he somebody that could help the Boston Bruins per se? Yes. I haven't seen that as a connection as of right now because he's probably somebody that'll sign for cheap because he's just got bought out. I mean, he's got that money coming in from San Jose. Maybe sign a, a quick prove it deal to try to show everybody, hey, I am still this really good player. Uh, I'm going to try to get my act together, which I wouldn't believe that, honestly. This is going to be his like seventh or eighth opportunity to turn his shit together, and I don't think it's going to really happen. Latest reports say that he's down to two teams to sign, but there was initially a large reaction and a large amount of teams that were interested in him. Um, the Edmonton Oilers are one of those teams that are believed to be in the running. I don't know if they're still in the running, but they were the most vocal of all the teams to be interested in Evander Kane. Obviously, they need it. 2-9-2 and in their last 13 games. I mean, it's been a, a rough stretch since the beginning of December. They are now out of a playoff spot in the Western Conference. I mean, the Kings have surpassed them. Uh, they're still behind the Calgary Flames, even though they're also losing a bunch of games and also not playing a bunch of games. So we'll see what happens here. But it's not a great look for the Edmonton Oilers when your general manager is like, you know, I believe in second chances. Listen, this is Evander Kane's like 10th chance. I believe in second chances also. Like, I'm not going to sit here on my high horse and say that he doesn't deserve another chance. I don't think he does. I wouldn't give him another chance simply because of the way that he is. And he's proven in multiple different scenarios too. It's not just like he does one thing wrong. He has done so many multiple things that are against the NHL's policies that has gotten him suspended, that has gotten him in the news for negative light. I wouldn't trust the guy. Like, I don't think that he's going to turn his shit together. He's going to get his shit together, especially going into a locker room like Edmonton. I mean... That whole organization right now is almost up in flames because they have the two best players in the world. They have two of the top three scorers in the National Hockey League, yet they aren't holding down a playoff spot in middle of January. This is awful for the Edmonton Oilers. And then, of course, Connor McDavid goes out there on a press conference and, and backs his general manager. And he said, you know, listen, we need good hockey players. And that is a victimization of the business of hockey and what happens whenever you have been a loser and in a losing culture for so long, like Connor McDavid has been, he's not a loser. He's literally one of the few winners in that organization. Leon Dreisaitl, I would say Connor McDavid, I would say honestly, Darnell nurse, I would say is a winner in that divi in that team, but the rest of them, they're losers. Look at them two, nine and two in their last 13. This is a team that was one of the hottest hockey teams coming into the season. And then you start to look at those numbers and you're like, you know, we were a little tentative because they had, were, you know, scoring on the power play, converting at a 50% clip. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl were both at over two points per game, some close to two and a half points per game. And we're like, that's not sustainable, but neither is how bad the rest of the team's playing. So maybe they'll turn it around and they're still getting the, the performances. They're still getting the wins. And now all of a sudden you see a little bit of regression from Dreisaitl and McDavid back to, you know, human nature. And this team is in the cr trash. I mean, they're in the shitter. They're bad. And that's why they're looking at Evander Kane. They need to make a lot of moves coming up to the deadline. 
Even general manager Ken Holland said, you know, I always said I was going to trade my first round pick if I believe this team could go on a run. I don't believe this team could go on a run considering where they're at. The way they're playing right now, I'm not comfortable trading a first round pick to bolster this specific team to give them a shot because it doesn't look like they would have one. Well, that's pretty indicative of what's going on here. They're going to sign Evander Kane because they need help scoring and Evander Kane is a guy that, again despite all of his warts off the ice, is an extremely talented ice hockey player. So, we'll see what happens. It was not a good look for the Edmonton Oilers. It's not a good look for Connor McDavid, but it's a product of the business side of hockey and the losing culture that has been up there in Edmonton for far too long for the league's best player. So, we'll see what happens with that situation. It could be resolved as early as today, to be completely honest. Um, we'll see what happens with it, but I will be obviously following the Evander Kane saga as everybody else will in the hockey world for a long time to come. I'm going to take a quick break, but when I return, let's dive into the all-star roster, shall we? We saw the rosters revealed on late Thursday night. We'll talk about the last man in voting, some of the snubs, some of the players that are not going to be going. And to be completely honest, our, our total thoughts and opinions on the all-star game, or at least my total thoughts and opinions on the NHL all-star game, I don't know what to do to fix it. But uh, it's still not great. We'll talk about that after the break. The NFL playoffs are here. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any wildcard team to win their game. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have something to play for this wildcard weekend. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN this super wild card weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to the Hockey Hotbed, presented as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, and we're going to dive in to the NHL All-Star selections because the rosters came out late Thursday, and that always sparks some really good controversy, some really good debate. There's 18 first-time All-Stars. That's a really cool storyline. That's a really cool tidbit. A lot of young talent that we're going to get to watch in Las Vegas coming up here in a couple of weeks' time. So let's go down through, starting with the Eastern Conference in this segment, then we'll talk about the Western Conference selections, and all the meanwhile, we're going to talk about all the snubs, all the decision-making. Uh, in this segment, I'll also get to the jersey leak that happened. We'll bring it up here on the video version. If you aren't watching the video version, you can catch it on our YouTube channel at The Hockey Hotbed. Just search that on YouTube. Subscribe to our channel. We post videos that are mostly 
just the video version of the podcast. I'm going to get to a point where hopefully I'm posting additional videos and additional interviews and stuff like that on YouTube to make it a little bit more of a added experience than just following us along here on the podcast, which I do also appreciate. But uh, let's talk about the rosters, starting with the Atlantic Division, it seems based on this voting, that it's going to be the three-on-three format, which is better. I mean, it is more improved. It's more interesting. It's more intriguing because just having East versus West, one game, full game of All-Stars, it's not as fun. I mean, the tournament style, three-on-three, it's a little bit more fun, which considering how many people have been selected and the way that they've been selected, that's probably what they're going to go back to. I haven't seen anything you know, on the contrary either. So the Atlantic Division will be coached up by Andrew Brunette the head coach of the Florida Panthers, the interim head coach. I don't know if he still has the interim tag or not, but of course he stepped in due to unceremonious circumstances of Joel Quenville, the the Kyle Beach situation. Andrew Burnett has stepped in and he's really not missed a beat. The Florida Panthers have been one of the top teams in the National Hockey League all season long, and he's done really a fantastic job. It seems like general manager Bill Zito down there in Florida completely trusts Andrew Burnett. So a nice nod for a guy that wasn't even a head coach coming into the season, Andrew Burnett going to be coaching the Atlantic division. The captain of the Atlantic, Austin Matthews. I mean, it makes sense. He is the best player in that division. And I would argue that with anybody here. I mean, the guy has what, 24, 25 goals on the season already. He missed the first portion of the season. He was coming off of a wrist surgery. He's still dominant. I mean, everybody thought that last year, his Rocket Richard season, how much of it was a product of the fact that he was playing in the Canadian North division and how much of it was like, you know, you don't have to travel. That's also what the thought process was on Connor McDavid. As of right now, Austin Matthews is staying more true to form than Connor McDavid was last season. So Austin Matthews, the captain of the Atlantic, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, 36-year-old Patrice Bergeron going to be going for the Boston Bruins. Bergeron, obviously part of the best line in hockey. Pick your poison when you go to Boston. I mean, you can take Pasternak, you can take Marchand. He had a hat trick earlier this week, but they decided to take Patrice Bergeron. Only his third nod. I found that very surprising that he's only gone three times to the NHL All-Star game because, you know, he's a guy that you would think is good, is, has been there several, several times. You know, he's a guy that has had more than three Selkie trophy finishes like top three Selkie trophy finishes so surprising to me that he it's only his third uh, appearance at the all-star game from the Ottawa Senators Drake Batherson will be making his first appearance like I mentioned earlier 18 first-time all-stars getting the nod this year which that's nice you know get some new blood in there mix it around with some of the older more experienced more uh I w- what do I want to say? Not even experienced. By the way, Austin Matthews making his fourth All-Star appearance. It's kind of ridiculous already. Um, but, you know, mixing it up with some of these guys that have been to the All-Star games before. Some of the older stars, some of the veteran stars of the National Hockey League with some of the young talent. Um, from the Florida Panthers, Jonathan Huberto. He's a guy that I think should be in the running for the Hart Trophy this year. He should be in the running for the Ted Lindsay Award this year. So, yeah, makes a lot of sense that the Florida Panthers will be sending Jonathan Huberto to his second NHL All-Star Game. Speaking of second NHL All-Star Games, Dylan Larkin is going to be going for the Detroit Red Wings. I think that's a great selection there. Larkin has been absolutely phenomenal for the Red Wings this year. He's part of the reason that they are in the position they're in. I know they're falling back a little bit right now, at least falling behind where the Boston Bruins are and the playoff spots are. But uh, it's still been an impressive season for Detroit. And if they can continue this, maybe play some meaningful games into February and March, it's a nice step for them this season. And a big portion has been their captain, Dylan Larkin. Uh, A couple of first-timers coming from the Atlantic Division. Nick Suzuki 
from Montreal. I mean, you had to send somebody, right? I mean, th- that team is having such a bad season. There's not many bright spots on that team, but Nick Suzuki is a young talent. I would have also accepted Cole Caulfield, but it makes sense that Suzuki would go. He's been a little bit better and hasn't been sent down this season like Caulfield was. Uh, Rasmus Dahlin for Buffalo. He's going to get his first nod. He's the only guy from Buffalo I would have wanted to see. I mean, I don't. Victor Olofsson's fun. I wouldn't like to see him at the NHL All-Star Game. I'm much happier seeing Rasmus Dahlin get his first nod. Uh, Victor Hedman from the back-to-back Stanley Cup champions, his third All-Star Game appearance. That's a no-brainer. I mean, the guy's going to be in Norris Trophy voting. And then the goaltenders for the Atlantic Division, Jack Campbell, Soupy, going to make his first appearance for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And Andre Vasilevsky, the best goaltender in all of hockey, going to make his fourth appearance. So that is the Atlantic Division, the players that have been selected. Looking at the last man in selections for the Atlantic Charlie McAvoy for the Bruins, Tage Thompson for the Sabres, Lucas Raymond for the Red Wings, Sasha Barkov for the Panthers, Tyler Toffoli for the Canadians, Brady Kachuk for the Senators, Steven Stamkos for the Lightning, and Johnny Tavares from the Toronto Maple Leafs. My vote for this one, uh, listen, there's a lot of guys that I'd like to see go. Stammer has had a great season. You consider the fact that Point and uh, Kucherov have been out for an extended period of time. Steven Stamkos has been absolutely phenomenal, so... I would want to give him a nod, possibly also Alexander Barkov. So talented, so entertaining. It'd be fun to see him. But realistically, if I'm going to vote on this, which I am going to go vote on this at NHL.com, I'm picking Lucas Raymond. You know, I want to see more players. I want to make it 19 players making their first all-star appearance. I'd love to see Lucas Raymond be able to make this team and and be able to go to, to Vegas. I think he's an electrifying talent. He's a guy that is going to be deep in the voting for uh, Rookie of the Year, so it'd be nice to give him the nod in his rookie season, a little feather in his cap as well. Uh, Let's move over to the Metropolitan Division. Uh, I don't think there's really anybody that I thought got snubbed in the Atlantic, looking down through it, you know, especially adding the last man in, the fact that they all have a chance. There's not really any snubs. I mean, Montreal, Buffalo, who are you going to, you have to send somebody, right? Um, It makes sense that Soupy's going for, for Toronto. I think that's a really good selection. Um... Yeah, no, I, no, no real snubs there. I'd like to see Pasternak go. Uh, it, it sucks that Pasternak and Marshawn, are, are, they're literally not going to be going unless somebody backs out. But uh, I'm sure those guys are excited to, to get the week off because they all expected, at least those two expected to go to the Olympics. So I'm sure they'll they'll take a couple of days off, even though Marshawn, we talked about it, not happy that the Olympics were canceled. Uh, let's move over to the Metropolitan Division. Head coach of the Metropolitan Division is going to be uh, Rod Brindamore. Who head coach of the Carolina Hurricanes. That makes complete and utter sense. Uh, Rob the Bod. I mean, that's just a fun guy behind the bench. So th- there's going to be a lot of good uh, good discussions there with Rod Brindamore at the NHL All-Star Game. The captain of the Metropolitan Division. Who else is it going to be? I mean, it's, it's the grade eight. Alex Ovechkin. He's had an absolutely ungodly season, especially when you look at his age. This is going to be his eighth All-Star appearance. I- I'm pretty sure I would have to look through. Pretty sure that he has been there more times than anybody else that will be attending the All-Star game. So Alex Ovechkin, the captain of the Metro. Let's run down through it a little bit quicker. I know I kind of took my time in the Atlantic. Um, Sebastian Ajo from Carolina making his second appearance. Claude Giroux selected for Philadelphia making his seventh appearance. Jack Hughes from New Jersey. I'm really excited to see what he does. Uh, The All-Star game is a time where we see a lot of players' personalities start to shine a little bit more. And Jack Hughes has personality to spare, to say the least. So he goes, that's going to be his first appearance at the All-Star game. Uh, Chris Kreider having a fantastic season for the Rangers. He is selected also from the Rangers. Adam Fox goes for his first All-Star game. So add that 
to his list of accolades in his young career. Adam Pellick from the Islanders, really good defensive defenseman. He gets the fir- his nod for the first time. Uh, Zach Wierenski, Wierenski, it's tough to say when you're talking fast. Uh, he gets his second selection from Columbus. Uh, Freddie Anderson from Carolina, going to make his second appearance. And Tristan Jari from the Pittsburgh Penguins, going to make his second appearance is three, in three years as the Penguins starter. He's had a phenomenal season for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, there are a couple snubs, I feel like, in the uh, Metropolitan Division. Let's first go to the uh, last man in selections. Top candidates are Andrei Svechnikov of the Kames, Jacob Voracek of the Blue Jackets, Jesper Bratt of the, the New Jersey Devils, Matt Barzal of the Islanders, Mika Zibanejad of the Rangers, Cam Atkinson of the Flyers, Jake Gensel of the Pittsburgh Penguins, and Evgeny Kuznetsov of the Washington Capitals. I have to double check this because now seeing the fact that he's not even the last man in, is Artemi Panarin injured? Which is my question because, you know, not having Panarin, if he isn't going, not having Panarin there, uh, exits with the minor lower body injury a month ago. So yeah, no, Artemi Panarin is not injured. That's one of the big snubs in this division. Like the fact that you're not going to see the bread man who is, listen, I think he's a Hart Trophy candidate. He was my early selection earlier in the season. So the fact that he's not going to be going, I like Zabenejad that he's in the last man in cat- category, but it, it doesn't make sense to me that uh, that Artemi Panarin, I might be missing something, but he is not. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's not invited to the All-Star game. Same goes for Sidney Crosby. I mean, Crosby missed the early portion of the season. I believe he m- missed the first 14 games, or at least he played only one game in the first 14. But he's been over a point a game player, and if you're going to call it the All-Star game and you want to see it, like, Jake Gensel for the Penguins has been very good. So I think he deserves to be in the last man in. I, I do agree with that. But it's still, it, it's hard to say that it's an all-star game when a guy like Sidney Crosby is healthy and not going. Again, similar to, like, Pasternak and, Berger, and, and Marshawn, they're probably, he's probably sitting there like, that's fine, I'll take the days off. Like, he's more focused on a Stanley Cup than the all-star game. But for pure entertainment value, I would much rather see, you know, Sidney Crosby there than... You know, a Jesper Bratt, for for instance, who was in the last man in. I'd rather see him there than, honestly, a Chris Kreider. You know, I know Chris Kreider's had a great season, but I'd much rather I'd much rather see Artemi Panarin, uh, Sidney Crosby get to go. But I will say, I'm very excited uh, for Jack Hughes, to say the least. I'm very excited to see what Jack Hughes is able to do at the All Star Game. His personality is is honestly, he's a very confident guy. He's turned things around. Like he made the the All Star Game despite missing two months due to injury. So I don't see why Sidney Crosby is not being selected as well. And it might just be because, you know, Tristan Jari is a guy that's right now in Vezina conversation. So it makes sense that he would go. And uh, looking at the Devils, there's not as many people that they could send as tribute. But uh, let's talk a little bit about the jerseys before we had to break. Uh, there was leaks of the NHL jerseys. And listen, the All-Star Game is in Vegas this year. That alone should make it a little bit more exciting but you would think they would have gone a little bit more all out on the jerseys. Uh, let me pull it up here for those watching on YouTube. Here's what the NHL All-Star jerseys in 2022 look like. At first glance, I was despised. <laughs> at first glance, I was not happy. But looking at this and, and kind of taking it in, it's kind of a retro vibe for the NHL. You know, the, the blue and white and then the red and, and, and kind of orangish red and white. It's kind of an old East versus West vibe, and I don't actually hate it that much. But 
can we get a little bit more creative? I mean, there were times that I think they went too far on the creative path, but like the 2019 jerseys, I thought were really interesting and really creative. That was different. That's why I liked those. Not to mention the fact they were Audi Zero, but looking at these, yeah, they're retro, they're throwback. It kind of does match the theme, the Las Vegas 2022. If you look at the, the logo, it kind of matches it. But can we get a little bit more creative with this? Like, in 2019, you put the team's logos, but you, like, made them white or gray or gr blacked them out, something like that. I thought that was intriguing. Why do we have to do the NHL logo? Like, don't do the NHL logo. And if you're going to do a retro, do, like, retro 90s with the NHL logo. Like, go back to that old logo. I think that would be really interesting because I really – and I have one, and I'm, I'm thinking of selling it. I really don't want jerseys – with NHL logos on it. And that's the point of the all-star jersey, right? They're not making them for the players. It's not for the players. They're making these all-star jerseys so people buy them. I don't want to buy a jersey with the NHL logo on it. The one I got was from a cool hockey mystery box. And I was excited to see it. It's an Austin Matthews one, but I never wear it. Like, when I got it, I was excited about it. But I don't wear it. I'm probably going to sell it. Like, why do we need the NHL logo? You have so many talented graphic designers in the National Hockey League. We see it on social media all the time. There's some great graphic designers employed by the National Hockey League and their teams. Come up with some intriguing logos. Do that, you're probably going to sell way more than them. I, that is the whole point, is it not? So seeing these jerseys, I don't hate them as much as I initially did. I think that it's lazy. I think they could have done a lot more, but I don't necessarily hate these jerseys. I'll never buy it. Because, again, I'll never buy a jersey with an NHL logo on it once again. You know, it just, it doesn't speak to me. I don't know if that's the way to put it, but I just don't like it. So, looking at these, honestly, of the two, I probably like the blue one a little bit better. But, again, I'm not going to buy either. They might look cool. It's a nice little throwback. But, again, with it being at Vegas, I thought they were going to do a little bit more. And also, just in general... The NHL needs to do more for the NHL All-Star jerseys. We'll talk in the next segment about my thoughts and opinions on the All-Star game as a whole. But as of right now, we're going to take a quick break. Got to pay the bills a little bit. Thanks to DraftKings, our show sponsor. We'll be right back to discuss the Western Conference All-Stars as well as my general thoughts and opinions on the NHL All-Star game. I'll be right back. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Hockey Hotbed, presented as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and better opportunities. I know the deal that we have currently on DraftKings is if you sign up using code THPN, you get 56 to 1 odds on any of the wild card teams this weekend. So not the division champions, the road teams this weekend. You know, if you like the Steelers to take on the... You know, Kansas City Chiefs, 56 to 1 odds. You get all of that in free bets. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. I mean, that's that's absolutely great deal by DraftKings. 
courtesy of also the Hockey Podcast Network. So we're talking about the NHL All-Star Game. Let's get back on topic here. Uh, we'll talk about the Western Conference, the Central, and the Pacific Divisions, starting with the Central. Kyle Connor from Winnipeg makes a lot of sense. His first appearance. Uh, Alex Dabrinkit, again, makes a lot of sense. His first appearance. Kirill Kaprizov, if he's healthy, has been selected. He'll be making his first appearance. Clayton Keller of Arizona, his second. Jordan Cairo of St. Louis, his first. Nathan McKinnon will be captaining this Central Division team. His fourth appearance. Joe Pavelski goes his fourth appearance. Kale McCarr will be making his first appearance from Colorado. UC Soros from Nashville, his first selection. And Cam Talbot from the Minnesota Wild will be making his first appearance. Uh, let me really quickly get to the head, like to the, the last man in voting because there's a lot of players that I would much rather see at the at the NHL All-Star game than some of the guys in here. And I understand it's a similar thing to, to Chris Kreider. Nothing against their season because they've had a good season, which is why they were selected. But entertainment-wise, there are many other players I would much rather see going to Las Vegas for the All-Star game. The last man in candidates for the Central Division. Phil Kessel of the Yotes, Seth Jones of the Blackhawks, Nazem Kadri, who should be going, of the Colorado Avalanche, Jason Robertson of the Stars, Ryan Hartman of the Wild, Roman Yossi of the Preds, Robert Thomas of the Blues, and Mark Shifley of the Winnipeg Jets. So let's talk really quickly about snubs. Um, looking at the Central Division, the best goaltender in the Central Division is UC Soros. So that makes sense. But uh, the second best goaltender in the Central Division is Jordan Bennington. Um, it's not like the Wild needed Talbot to go because of, you know, be, <laughs> simply because they needed somebody to go for Minnesota. I mean, they're sending Kirill Kaprizov. He's probably the most electrifying player on this team, to be completely honest. So you have your your Minnesota tribute there. Why is Cam Talbot, like, make him a last man in selection. Why is Jordan Bennington not going to this game? It makes no sense. We talk about this game, and I talked about it with Jack Hughes, highlighting personalities. Jordan Bennington is a big personality. One of the biggest personalities of all the net miners in the National Hockey League. Now, some of that is uh, very just... Uh, irritated Jordan Bennington, which we all like to say. I guess that's the best way to put it. But uh, no, Bennington should be going to this game. And the St. Louis, I mean, Jordan Kyrou's had a great season. I agree with him going as well. But, you know, again, would I rather see Ryan O'Reilly? Yeah. Am I happy? Like, could Jordan Kyrou surprise me and be very talented and be very, uh, very fun there? Yeah, he could be. But if I'm picking somebody from the Blues, I'm taking Jordan Bennington. Like, Hands down. And maybe even Vladimir Tarasenko. I mean, the guy, the guy has been to several All-Star games. I don't know why. There seems to be like a, like they're fading the Russians. You know, Artemi Panarin, not going. Vladimir Tarasenko, not going. Now, they're not fading all of them. Obviously, Alex Ovechkin's going. Kirill Kaprizov's going. But, you know, a li little bit of a, a weird situation there. Uh, Joe Pavelski going for the Dallas Stars. I like that. I do. I, I, I think Joe Pavelski is a fun guy. Captain America. Selfishly, I want to see Rupe Hints, but uh, he hasn't really put together the season to be an all-star. I think he's probably like third or fourth on that team when it comes to potential all-stars. So it makes sense that Joe Pavelski's going. Um, Clayton Keller, I mean, you had to pick somebody from, from the, the Coyotes. Uh, Chikrin hasn't had a good season. so. But if I look down at the uh, last men in candidates, it is a shame that Nazem Kadri was not an outright selection. 
Um, same with Roman Yossi. Roman Yossi's had a great season, but specifically Nazem Kadri. I mean, he's been, at points, the best player on that Avs team. You know, Makar is going, McKinnon's going. I know you don't want to select three players from the same team, but Nazem Kadri deserves to be an all-star this year. So if he doesn't get selected in the last man in candidate switch, he has my vote. So at least I'm helping towards that. But if he doesn't get selected, then, uh, then I mean, obviously the all-star game is considered a farce by many people, but like if he doesn't go, it's a really like poor selection committee this season. Uh, let's move it over and finish it with the Pacific Division. Um... Pacific Division will be coached by Pete DeBoer of the Vegas Golden Knights. Leon Dreisaitl, of course, going to be going for Edmonton, his third appearance. Jordan Eberle, you had to pick somebody from Seattle, his second appearance. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau from Calgary will be making his sixth appearance. Adrian Kempe of the Kings making his first appearance. Connor McDavid will captain that team, his fifth appearance. Timo Meyer making his first All-Star Game appearance. Mark Stone from the host Vegas Golden Knights. He will be going to the All-Star Game for the first time. Congratulations to him. That is something I'm very excited to see because Stoner has uh, an absolutely fantastic personality. So I'm excited to see him mic'd up for a lot of this. Uh, Petrangelo from Vegas, good selection. John Gibson from Anaheim. Thatcher Demko from Vancouver. So that is the Pacific Division. Let's uh, scroll down here and see the last men in candidates. Troy Terry for the Ducks. Let's be honest. Troy Terry should have made it outright. Instead, you know, he, he should have been an outright selection. Matthew Kachuk from the Flames. Darnell Nurse of the Oilers. Drew Doughty of the Kings. Logan Couture of the Sharks. Giordano of the Kraken. JT Miller of the Canucks. And Jonathan Marchessault of the Vegas Golden Knights. When I look at that list, there's three players that should receive votes. And then everybody else really shouldn't get any, like, except for, like, the hometown. Like, back in 2020, it was nice to see the Kachuk brothers both go to St. Louis. Neither of them are all-stars this year. I mean, Brady probably closer than, than Matthew, even though Matthew's had a pretty decent season for Calgary. But looking at this list, honestly, to me, the person that should go is Troy Terry. He's had the season. For it, you know, he deserves to go. JT Miller has also been pretty good. Even when the Canucks were trash, JT Miller was having a good season. And then Jonathan Marshall, so which, you know, Vegas fans, they get they get their voice heard. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if Marshall So becomes the third member of the Vegas Golden Knights to be selected for this this game and this this weekend. So those are the those are the, the selections. Those are the rosters. Those are the last men in. When I look at the Pacific Division, to me, there's one big snub. I really think that Andrew Mangiapani from the Flames should go. Um, Johnny Gaudreau's had a great season. I, I don't discount that fact. But I, I think Andrew Mangiapane, he the way that he's came onto the scene this year, he deserves to go. But again, it's kind of a kind of playing on both sides by me because I also this entire time have been saying, you know, entertainment value and the namesake and the entertainment value is with Johnny Gaudreau. But again, I, I think Mangiapane has been really good this season and he deserves a nod to uh, potentially be in there. But he won't be. Again, a lot of these players will, will they'll take the vacation, they'll take the time off. But uh, my overall thoughts and opinions on the All-Star game, it has improved. It's still not great. I'm, I, I challenge anybody to come out here and on here and argue any All-Star game, whether that be the NFL Pro Bowl, the MLB All-Star game, the NBA All-Star game. I'll challenge anybody to come on here and say that it's like prime television. It's not. It's okay. It has some entertainment value. You get to see the personalities of the players a little bit more. You get to, to hear their voices a little bit more. You get to see all the jersey logos on the same ice, I guess. I'm sure it's a lot of fun to be there. And listen, I would love to be in Vegas for the All-Star Game. That would be a, a hell of a lot of fun. Like, one year I'll get to an All-Star Game weekend because 
when you're there, it seems like it's a lot of fun. It's a lot more stuff to do. Similar to a Winter Classic. Like, I enjoy watching the Winter Classics and the outdoor games on television, as long as they don't overdo it. But it's an entirely different animal when you're actually there and you actually get to go to... Usually there's like almost like a fair that's set up at the outdoor games, and I'm sure it's similar for the NHL All-Star Games. So, you know, my overall opinion, will I watch it if I have nothing better to do? Which most likely means I won't be watching it. But uh, I'm sure I'll catch some of the highlights and see some of the cool things on Twitter. So, uh, overall, it's something that I think the NHL should be doing a lot better. It's not hard. There's a lot of ways to make it better. First and foremost, stop using the NHL logo on jerseys. We talked about that. Like, Get creative. You have so many good graphic designers at your disposal. I mean, not even even if you don't go with the ones that are already signed on and under employment with the NHL, go on the internet. Like, there's so many great graphic designers that can do so many better things than just plastering the NHL logo on there and you know it and making it something that people actually want to buy, other than just another jersey that people are going to criticize. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Hockey Hotbed. We'll be uh, back with next week all all together and we'll have uh, three stars of the week next Friday as well sorry I didn't get to that this week but I just didn't have the time but like I said that's going to do it thank you to everybody for tuning in we'll see you guys next week